Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name is Jason Barnard, and that was the Pineapple Thief and Remember Us from the uh, Variations on a Dream album by the Pineapple Thief. And I've got the man behind the Pineapple Thief here, Bruce Sword. Uh, a huge welcome to the Strange Brew, Bruce. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure, pleasure, honour to be on this. Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> You've had some good guests, so uh, it's nice to be among them. So it's nice. Excellent. Well. I love the music that you've made uh, solo and as the Pineapple Thief. So um, Variations on a Dream seemed to be quite an important album in your journey because that's when things really started to pick up or develop. Is that something you recognise? Yeah, I think that's why I picked that track because um, when I started in 1999, we had, I sort of did two albums where I was kind of finding my feet. And I was also kind of playing with the idea back in, in those days, the kids or when you're young, you wanted to get a big record deal. That's how you made it. So I still like, t- you know, I had my live band. We were going to London, I had praying that A&R people would turn up. And of course, they said they'd turn up and they never did turn up. So we were chasing our tails. And I thought, right, sod that. I'm just going to go um, into my studio and, and make the music that I want to make without any, any commercial um, sort of aspirations. And I think that's why that record sort of became that turning point. And um, so we finished it, put it out. And I just thought, well, it's just going to do the same as the others. It, you know, I've got a small, tiny fan base, but, you know, it's just business as usual. But then people started to ask me to play, come play gigs and little festivals, especially in the prog rock world. 
yeah there's loads of these little festivals and these these esoteric little festivals are brilliant and um so that that kind of fit the ball started rolling and uh that's that's why i picked that track and ever since we started playing live there would be a core group of fans and they would always shout remember us remember us at every gig and i think that's well it's 15 minutes long for a start or 16 minutes long so we i don't we think we played it once live because it's a bit of a tricky one but but yeah it was definitely was a turning point for us so was that the period when you started to get a live band together yeah exactly that so i remember there was a there's a festival called the whitchurch music festival and it was really it's it's, it's a a really sort of popular prog festival. We um, the first show we ever did was the Whitchurch asked us to play, and um, we were supporting Caravan. You know, and as a kid growing up, mm. loving prog rock, uh, the Canterbury scene was a big part of my. You know, it was a big influence. Andy Latham is probably one of the top three guitarists, as far as I'm concerned, in, in terms of influence. Um, so it's wow, my God, we're going to go and support Caravan. IQ played the night before, and so we got there. I, I cobbled a band together, which were basically my mates who, who could play. And I got there and it was the first time I ever, ever experienced people in the flesh that actually liked my music. And so when we finished the show, I went outside and there's this huge queue of people. And I said, what are these people queuing up for? And I said, Bruce, they, they're queuing up for your merch. I said, we haven't got a merch stand. I said, I think I've got some CDs in the car. So I ran to the car, got these CDs out and spent the next sort of hour talking to these people that I just didn't know existed. You know, it was wonderful. And and I think ever since that moment, it's just been a sort of, a, I dare to say, you know, a love affair that you have with the prog rock scene, really. Those first five years, do you think um, there's kind of an element of adventure as you're searching out new sounds, trying to find your identity, your place, perhaps? Yes. Well, I've said this sort of quoted it. I was like a kid in a candy store because I was just everything was new and everything was exciting and I wanted to do everything and I remember the first time I managed to get a really good Mellotron sample it was like oh my god I finally got a Mellotron and I can get this these sounds so I think in terms of yeah I think adventurous is the right term because I think if you look at the career of the Pineapple Thief it kind of honed its sound down and its identity but back in those days it really was anything goes and I think that was probably I was allowed to get away with it because you were in that prog rock scene as a definition of progressive rock is that you can just throw everything into the pot. And I look back on the catalogue and you, you can see the things that worked and the things that didn't work, but it was all part of the process of figuring it out. Really. Yeah. We've next got Wretched Soul, which I think was originally, the original version was a few years later from 10 Stories Down around 2005. That's one of the tracks that you revisited for Give It Back with uh, Gavin Harrison on, on drums. Yeah, that's right. In terms of revisiting again, is it that you feel that you could add to the original and even lift it up another level? Yeah, I think I picked that track because, you know, I wanted to pick one from that era, you know, and that was a, the, the difficult album after Variations on a Dream, which for many reasons was a difficult record. But, you know, there was still some really, there's some songs on there that I'm really proud of. And it was when we met Gavin in 2016 and then when the pandemic happened, we had a lot of time and we had our studios. And I knew that when we played the back catalogue with Gavin, it was very, you know, it's had a, a new lease of life. And he had the idea of going back through the back catalogue and picking some songs that he liked. So, and he and he picked that one as one of the first ones that he picked. And he did change the groove and the, and feel of the track, but the, the essence of it still remains. And so it just made me realise that, you know, even though it was 2005 or that I, that I wrote it, it's still, it's still kind of relevant to the, 
you know to the history to the to the story of of the band so yeah it was it was really nice it was really special to do that again and then we took it into the current live set as well so yeah it's it's nice to have to know that you know back in 2005 when it was really difficult you couldn't make a living out of it i had a day job even though the internet was around it hadn't morphed into what it is now which was where as an independent creator yeah exactly it's a real real hard slog i was lucky that we had there was a little um independent record label called Cyclops and they were able to basically just make the CDs and distribute them they didn't have any money to do anything else you know there's no promotion or anything like that but it was enough because the progressive rock scene was so um vibrant that you had people that would seek it out they would and there would be word of mouth and even back in those days even when I started in 1999 you still had online message boards and things like that there was still a, there was there was actually a website called mp3.com one of the really first websites in 1999 and i uploaded the very first song ever written private paradise and you know i remember someone from canada emailed me and said wow i love this i'm, I'm working a night shift and so even back you know 24 years ago when really it was only nerds that went on the internet and luckily there's quite a few nerds in the prog rock scene so it was good and um you know it was still able to you were still able to get some traction I mean, nothing like today where you've got YouTubes and streaming and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's very, and TikTok, it's very different, but um, you still had it. You still you still had that, that avenue. And Wretched Soul, potentially darker lyrics at times. How much is your imagination and putting yourself or an imaginary person into a different place? I think really the Pineapple Thief is 99% personal, personal experience. And, you know, I think back in the early days when things were difficult, there would be some times where it would be tough. I'd have some, you know, not physical fights, but, you know, verbal fights with yeah. my wife. And, you know, and you 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 come away from it, get feeling like, oh, that's how I am. You pick up a guitar and, and write a song. And, you know, we're, luckily we're still married and she's, <laughs> she's you know, we've survived the the whole, she survived the whole journey. But, yeah, it was, it, she was, I guess she was my more than anything my muse. And, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's very much inspired by everything that, that i observed in life i can't i can't make stuff up and and write about it not well i've tried but it, it didn't didn't really come out very well i've got a wretched soul it'll turn its head and
Next, we've got the title track of Give It Back, and that's originally from All The War, so that's kind of a mid-journey piece, 2012, so you were still revisiting material that was relatively recent. Relatively recent, but it was still a difficult period because we weren't a full-time band, so it was, and I'm sure there's um, so many people out there in the same boat where you have to have a job in order to finance and be able to do your passion. Um, so it was really, really hard. You, you couldn't tour. And if you did tour, it was just for, for a week or, or 10 days. So putting the records out was hard. And again, All the Wars was another difficult record for a number of reasons. But the songs were still there. I, the, I remember John, who's the bass player in Planet of Thief, you know, my best mate since I've met him when I was 18 years old. He said to me, he says, thank God you were able to write the songs. Because it says if we didn't have those songs, there's no way we would have survived. We wouldn't be here today. And again, so that's why I kind of picked that song because it's one of my favourite songs because we, we've given it a new lease of life with Gavin and when we play it live, it just goes down like a storm. It's just a really powerful, powerful song. Again, it's, it's like um, uh, Wretched Soul. It's just nice to have to be able to, to look back on those days and, and feel that all that effort and blood that you put into it was worth it. How much of it did you stay faithful to the arrangement of the original versions from that album? And were there times, especially with Gavin, where you opened things up a little bit more? Yeah, I think especially with Gavin, he would obviously, from a drums perspective, it was very, it was nothing like what Gavin does. You know, Gavin is incredibly creative as a drummer. He's a composer yeah, as opposed to a drummer. 
so when he came and, and said, hey, Bruce, how about, how about we do this? How about we chop this bit? And the other thing that I was guilty of in the old days was taking a theme and just make just taking it just too long. You know, so you go, look, this bit goes on for like five minutes. Why does it go on five minutes? Let's chop it in half and, yeah. you know, make the song a lot more sort of fat free. So, yeah, it was he did. Obviously, Gavin being Gavin and probably one of the well, it is one of the best drummers in the world. You're going to use that. You're gonna, so I just gave them a completely free reign and said, do what you want with these songs. Let's take them out with you drumming.
we've next got Alone at Sea from uh, the Magnolia album. Would you recognise this as a period where some material is more accessible or, or even poppy? Because it shouldn't necessarily be a dirty word, should it? No, no, and that's a thing. I think there's, you know, when I think about the best contemporary progressive rock acts, you know, around, they've all got great pop sensibilities. You know, they you still need a hook. Yeah. You still need to have that thing that grabs you, that brings you in. And that's all pop. And then if you sort of, you wrap this sort of progressive world around it, you get the perfect form of progressive rock, in my opinion. And so when we did Magnolia, I remember we had to, we'd lost our drummer. So we had a, a new drummer called Dan Osborne. And I remember that having probably the, one of the best periods of writing that I've ever had. And I think the song, in terms of songwriting, is I'm really proud of it. But I think of all of our records, it's very much a straight ahead rock album. And for some reason, I, you know, it didn't do as well as as we'd hoped it would do. But Alone at Sea, I picked that because people always shout for it now when we play live. They always, they, they love it. And when we start it, they all cheer. And it's got these, it's got these sections in it that get the crowd. If we're ever going to get a mosh bit, well, we did when we were in Mexico. We had this, they're all jumping around like mad people um, because, of, you know, Alone at Sea is just one of those songs that you can do it. So it's uh, it's really good fun. You know, you're not used to that kind of reaction being a, when it's the music is quite serious and melancholic to actually rock out. It's really nice. With the Pineapple Thief, you've got um, a European tour coming up. Is it spring? Yeah, February, March. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot coming with that. I'm, and uh, again, I, I think that Alone at Sea is going to be in the set for that. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Nothing. 
So next we've got In Exile from Your Wilderness. In terms of the song itself, is that about being detached or estranged? Yeah, estranged. Yeah, it's about estrangement. And I picked that one. I guess if there was one song that was to be, if you could pluck one out of the whole catalogue that would be the most important song in terms of where we are now, that would be it. Because it was from the album Your Wilderness where Gavin joined as a session drummer um, because we didn't have a drummer again. And I actually said to John, our bass player, I said, this is it. This is the last record. We've had a good run. Let's make this the final one. And let's just finish it. We get session drums in it. And, and that'll be the end. And then when we released it straight away, there was just this sort of surge. We were like, what's going on? You know, there's, there's all of a sudden there was people just going, wow, who's this band? You know, and I think obviously Gavin being on board made a huge difference. But it was, it, I think it, in hindsight, it was just the perfect match. And we put In Exile out and the comments were like, oh, my God, is that Gavin, is that Gavin Harrison drumming straight away? And it was like, yes. And I've no qualms in taking that because we wouldn't be here today. And that was the real the real launch pad. And then we realized, oh, actually, maybe we've got a few more albums left in us yet then. So, yeah, it was a real, real make or break moment in Exile. Because over the last 20 years or so, there's been a quite a, a range of bands tagged with prog rock that are making great music, including The Pineapple Thief, uh, Stephen Wilson in particular, for example. And that this fits perfectly into that field where it's still pushing forward, it's still interesting, it can still be exciting, and you're not necessarily bound by what some of the more conventional rock acts were. They're just retreading Led Zeppelin. or This has still got a lot more to offer. I think that's true, and and I think that's I think as a songwriter, I think I was really lucky that in when I was in my formative years in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties, when I was really turned off by sort of eighties music. So I went back to the seventies and fell in love with progressive rock. And I think that having that has given me that sort of like you talk about people like Stephen Wilson, and, but it gives you that sort of almost unique perspective on songwriting you've got this pop rock sensibility that you know i grew up through the grunge era as well but love the progressive rock scene and and you know the music that we're doing now you just know you that if you were a straight head rock band like foo fighters or muse or whatever you wouldn't be doing it you wouldn't be doing it you'd be sticking to that formula um and we don't have to you know it's 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 a really nice position to be in it's got a feel of radiohead at times for me it stands in a similar plane and in Exile, for example, it has been hugely successful, but it's such a special song as well. It could still go further. You know, it picked up in a film or whatever. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, lots of people say that, you know, and um, I mean, because I'm so grateful for where we are now. You know, I was saying about the, the fact that we were had to have a day job, but, then, you know, but now we're all full time. You know, to be able to say I'm a full time songwriter, musician, mixing engineer, blah, 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 blah. It's not easy. It's not easy. It took, took, took a long time, took a long time. But, but you know, I'm, I'm, at, I'm in that, that world. And so I'm so grateful. So I never really ever think, oh, I wish it was bigger. I wish we had more. But people do say it. They do say, you know, you know it deserves to, to reach wider audiences. But I'm very content with what, we, what we've made. We are in exile
The sound of your records, certainly over the last decade, they're beautifully sounding, including the final thing 
on my mind, which is from your wilderness. What is your recording process? Because it, it would sound like it was recorded at Abbey Road, but clearly it's not. Vast majority of things are, are digital as such in terms of recording, but it's still got that human element to it as well. And it sounds, yeah, it's not over digitized. I think yes, and I think that's what there are a lot of bands where you can where you listen to them and you think, well, yeah, that has been through the computer and they put every bell whistle. Everything's quantized and absolutely quantized, yeah, and edited because people can. You know, if you compare that to a seventies record, it's just well, hold on, and also it's completely unnatural. You listen to it and you think, well, it's quite impressive, but nobody can play like that. You know, it's 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 only sounds like that because someone has gone through every beat. And quantized every instrument yeah. and tuned every single thing. So it was, yeah, that's something that we always wanted to do. I, I mean, my favorite rock records were, were the ones that just sounded like a band. And I realized the ones that sounded the best, they sounded good because the band could play really well. And that's what I, we kind of, especially when Gavin joined, you kind of realized that when the band locks in, and everyone is playing their instrument really well, and they and it does help to have really nice instruments, which we're lucky that we have got now. Then everything just comes together, and it and, the, and when it comes to mixing the record, it, it, it's just become so easy. You know, they're, they're, you don't have to do. In the old days, there was a, the mixing was more about fixing than mixing, whereas now you just bring the faders up, and everything sounds not all the time, but most of the time, everything just sounds lovely, and and so the job is really easy. But yeah, I'm glad that you noticed that. The, fidelity the sound of the record is because it's been a long journey to figure it out so you know to how to how to get it to work like that there's many of the greatest records it's the slight imperfections that you don't notice but your brain subconsciously might notice but then that makes it more interesting yeah and that's the thing that makes the difference between something that is fantastic and something that becomes almost boring that is exactly the word I was going to use. You know, some of the really, really polished, overproduced records, they just very quickly get very, very boring. And, you know, I, I take my kids, 16-year-old kids and my wife, and they, they the things you're talking about, they wouldn't be able to articulate it, but they would switch off and go, oh, no, I don't like this, or this is boring or whatever. And for exactly the same reasons of what you're talking about, you know, and it's just, you just have that sense, you know, when when it's, when you have that kind of magic happening, we always talk about has it got the magic or has it been, and it, yes, it's got the magic. And it just, you just feel it in your, you know, inside. And it's, yeah. like I say, it's very difficult to articulate what it is that makes that happen.
so far from me We got it so wrong, so wrong How did we let you get this cold?
from the Disillusion album, you've next chosen White Mist, and that was a an album we've mentioned Gavin quite a lot so far on the show, but he was working with you in terms of actually co-writing or co-producing the material by now, wasn't he? Well, yeah, it was a it was a weird thing with Gavin because as soon as we got together on Your Wilderness, it was quite clear that we had a really open relationship, and I think he was quite surprised that I was really open to his suggestions. So I, even with Your Wilderness and with Final Thing on My Mind, he said. I said, oh, Bruce, do you mind if this bit it just goes on in 4-4? Can we just chop it up and put some bars of three in? I said, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, let's go for it. Whatever happens, you know. And, and he was like, wow, this is great. And I think as soon as he knew that, that artistically we were quite, especially me, I'm, I'm really quite, especially you've got someone you trust. Yeah. I'm really open. So then we, when we moved on to Dissolution, we had this relationship. So I would start with an idea. And we've, we've, I remember with White Mist, I had this sort of guitar harmonic riff and i just sent it to gavin and he'd go oh yeah i like this and he did these drums and then it come back and i would play some more so the song just evolved almost like a like a proper jam session um so yeah that and and that's how white mist came together it was re- it was a real sort of collaboration which is really nice especially like say with the pile of thief with being together for so long or been doing it for so long to change to mix things up like that i was all for it the guitarist david tarn's on that isn't he oh he is yeah well, I mean, Gavin, because he's been in the business since, I think he, he's been a professional since he was 16. Oh. And he, he, he must play with so many people. And we, I remember we said, well, White Mist. And I said, this bit needs a solo, but everything I put on it just sounded rubbish. And Gavin says, so, 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 how about I give my old mate David Tornock a call and see if anyone says, yeah, he's always got an old mate, Gavin. <laughs> Someone, somewhere. If you needed a, someone to play something, Gavin will have an old mate that will do it. And so, um, yeah, when David Torn sent, sent what he did through, it was just like, wow, you know, how there's no one that sounds like David Torn's far as I'm concerned. You push
The eighth choice today is Our Maya from Versions of the Truth. So, was that reflective of the political environment or what's going on with politicians and the decline of fact-based decision-making? Or Well, the album, the Versions of the Truth record was, and I think the track Versions of the Truth especially was, was about that. I think that the whole sort of polarisation of the political world, you know, look at the States, you even look at what's happening in the UK now, is horrible. Is really really depressing, and so oh, that kind of thing. When you talk about this observational songwriting, you wake up and you just you kind of think, how do I make sense of what's going on in the world? It's just this is not how it was supposed to work out. The world in 2023, or whenever it was, I wrote that 2020. It wasn't supposed to end up like that. It was we were supposed to be in this utopian, you know, wonderful world. 1990s. It was like the end of history. Everything's getting globalised. Everything's going to get better. Everyone's getting more affluent. Yeah. Everything's getting more democratic. Berlin Wall comes down. You know, everyone's thinking this is it, and uh, and somehow we've ended up where we are now. I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm still really positive. I still think that the majority of people I meet are just really nice people, and we're just drowned out by these loud, nasty people. And um, so, yeah, the versions of Truth Record was inspired by that. But I mean, our Maya particularly was was a track about one of a really good friend of mine who we we kind of estranged now we had a bit of a bit of a falling out and so it is that kind of thing you know i was really upset about it and because i was upset it kind of inspires you to write music because it's a strong such a strong emotion um so yeah that's that's that was the inspiration of that one
around versions of the truth that was released in 2020 where was that around covid it was smack bang in the middle of it yeah so we finished it we were mixing it when lockdown started we saw that most artists stephen wilson included were just postponing their releases and we thought no oh, well, i think what people need more than anything now is that new music so we said i mean the record label were like oh you might suffer you're not gonna be able to tour and all that kind of stuff and we said no let's put it out anyway um, so, yeah, it, it came out in September 2020, I think. So that was full 
hardcore lockdown. And then after that, we did this nothing but the truth sort of live show during the full lockdown where you were only allowed to travel if it was essential for your work. And so somehow we were able to say that doing this was the only way we can work, and um, which is really surreal. So when I look back, I mean, it's, I think a lot of people look back on the the depths of the pandemic and the and the lockdowns, you kind of forget yeah. already what it was like. And we toured in the middle, you know, when the lockdown kind of had these semi sort of opening up and then, oh, no, there's another surge. And then so we actually managed to tour and you could see people like still with their masks on, but they were like, oh, my God, I'm actually with people in a room watching a live band. And you could see the, the relief and the joy in their faces. And it just made you realise that you don't, you don't obviously with everyone, you know, you, you love live music, but you really appreciate it when it's taken away from you, that's for sure. We mentioned it briefly earlier. There's a Pineapple Thief European tour kicking off in February, but you've just relatively recently released your solo album and you did a, a solo tour. So how does, does that compare with the Pineapple Thief? Well, I think the solo is, well, it's certainly very much lower profile and the tour was like, you know, with the Pineapple Thief, we're very spoiled, you know, tour bus, we have crew, but with us, with my solo tour, it's, it's a jump in a van, you know, we don't have techs, we have to do everything ourselves, which was, which I really enjoyed, actually, it was really hard work, and the, sh- the shows were much smaller, but they're really intimate, so I spent quite a lot of time talking between songs, and you, people were laughing, and you were interacting with people, so it was, a very, it was a very different atmosphere to the larger shows that you do with the, with the Pineapple Thief. So, and it's one of those things where I think that the solo is now truly is solo. It's me in this studio on my own right. writing songs, whereas Pineapple Thief is, I'm glad to admit, is a complete collaboration. You know, it's 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 not me anymore. It's it's a band. What are you planning after the Pineapple Thief tour? Are you, are you thinking about new Pineapple Thief material? By the time that this is put out, um, that we would have announced a new record. Oh, right. We've finished the record. It's called um, It Leads to This. It's, it's kind of thinking about the what we were talking about, the nothing but the, the versions of the truth theme. The new record is very much taking that forward in like it leads to this question mark. Does it lead to this? You know, it's kind of looking back at the last sort of 20 30 years and kind of thinking what happened and reevaluating that history especially for me from a personal experience you know what kind of guy was i like in the 90s you know there's a lot of reassessment of our behavior lads culture the the whole me too movement all that thing and you kind of think oh my god was i was i part of the problem was i you know trying to really remember how bad it was and things like global warming and and the fact that oh my god yeah I didn't recycle anything. I threw everything away. I drove this ridiculous, like, gas-guzzling car, all that kind of thing. You kind of think, oh, my God, I was part of the problem. And that kind of almost like a middle-aged guilt sort of thing, that kind of really inspired the music. So really excited. It's it's the longest we've ever been between records. It'd be, over, I think, three and a half years, which is the longest ever. And so we spent an awful lot of time writing it and recording it and i have to say i'm uh, right now it feels like the album that i'm most proud of i guess you're always going to say that with new new albums you're always going to say it but it's just it just does feel like it's the best thing that we could possibly have done will you be playing a, a bit of that on on the tour then yeah we can't wait it's like all of us are going which song are we not going to do you know we're arguing about which song not to play um so yeah it's going to definitely be a new a new album tour obviously all, all the 
all the um, the old favourites. There's a lot of debate actually in the band about how long should a band play. What's your uh, opinion on a, on a set length? I think three hours is pushing it. I think two hours is a fair amount. I think yeah, I think I'm with you. As um, my wife said, there's no band on this planet that I like enough that I want to watch for three hours. You know, no band. And it's just too much. I think 90, 75, 90 minutes, you kind of feel a bit short-changed. So I think in between, somewhere in between, there's a magic. And getting a set together is such an art. You know, getting something that flows. A bit like a DJ keeping a crowd together. You've really got to get the journey correct. And we don't normally get it right first time. And when we go, when we play, you can always sense when a crowd is kind of, oh, we're losing them a bit. Oh, we've got them back now. Yeah, it's great. So you're kind of always tweaking, tweaking the set. Well, it's been a pleasure to revisit some of the Pineapple Thief um, catalogue following uh, your selections. And hopefully this will continue to spread the word on the brilliant material that you've been crafting well, almost 25 years now and all the best with the tour. 25 years god yeah no thank you very much no i I appreciate i really enjoyed the chat i think no it's just yeah it's just really nice to go back roll back through the years really nice great bye-bye cheers bye
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.